The Chase Down Podcast presents A City of Champions, a seven-part series chronicling the Cavs' 2016 NBA championship. With help from fans who cheered against us, reporters who covered it, and the players who watched it, we'll take you game by game through the most improbable 3-1 comeback in championship history. Be sure to subscribe to the Chase Down Podcast to relive the greatest series we've seen in our lifetimes. One dribble, steps back, puts up a three, won't go, rebound tip taken by Spades, final second, it's over, it's over! Cleveland is a city of champions once again. The Cavaliers are NBA champions. The series begins Thursday, April 9th. Welcome into the OBR Newswire podcast, your home for all things Cleveland Browns. It is the Thursday, April 16th edition. I'm your host, Jake Burns. And this podcast is brought to you by our friends at betonline.ag, where there's a fantastic match bonus running right now for anybody who uses the promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. The folks at betonline.ag are keeping things running 24-7. Great betting opportunities, great poker room, and great blackjack room all available all the time. You can get your gambling fix in through betonline.ag. The day after uniform unveiling, we have a great interview with our our site publisher, Barry McBride. He's fantastic. If you're looking for my immediate reaction to the uniforms that have come out, go to Browns Phone Breakdown. I did a nice little live recording with Jordan Zerm, had Dane Brugler on to talk about some tackle and uh, wide receiver prospects so that is available for you on that feed as well but we have a ton of content with Barry McBride so let's get over to that interview right now hey guys it's Thursday that that means we are going to bring back insight publisher Barry McBride Barry how are you I am doing just great I've got the requisite adult beverage and a list of questions for us to answer today hey that's what we're talking about Thursdays are full of uh, the, the Hey Dumbass questions, I think these will evolve over time um, and, and will take all shapes and sizes and, and different forms of questions. Seems like we have a decent amount of football-focused questions. It could be next week a stimulus package set of questions. Who knows? We'll let it go and, and kind of get the questions we get and go from there. So I'll have Barry read the question, give his thoughts, and then if he feels like he needs me to give some thoughts to him, I will do that, but uh, let's let's hear what the man has to say. All right, let's roll. Like I said, we got a bunch of them. We'll see how many we can get to. This first question is from a Twitter user who calls himself Hooray for Jello, hmm. and he asks: do, do teams that have fullbacks in their scheme carry two on game day rosters? Wondering what happens to the day one signing, uh, Barry signing Johnny Stanton. Now that Yano is here, Jono is here. I don't know how you pronounce it. The Browns haven't updated the pronunciation guide uh, on the Browns media site. But at any rate, you know, I'm not sure I'd get too attached to Johnny Stanton uh, at this point. I mean, he's a great story. He seems to be a terrific athlete. Um, But if I had to predict, I'd say he sounds to me like like a practice squad player that they can bring up if the starter isn't available. Uh, I looked at Minnesota's depth charts from last year. And I did not see two fullbacks on the depth chart ever. Uh, my guess is that they'll have a tight end who might be able to slide into that position uh, if uh, our new acquisition from Denver gets hurt. Uh, and uh, Stanton probably not going to be on the uh, 53-man on game day. What do you think? 
Yeah, I mean, certainly, if you guys know, if you if you played football um, growing up, you know, you 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 certainly had first team, second team, all that fun stuff that players would work through. And, and during camp, you need bodies, especially the NFL, where it's 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 brutal and challenging, and guys can can come and go with soft tissue injuries and things like that. So they'll they'll certainly need a fullback with their second unit and another uh, extra body, and Stanton will provide that. Um, he will be. Um, you know, used extensively through camp and, and people will latch on to him as they do any sort of, uh, you know, prideful name that they can find during camp guys who work hard. And I'm sure Johnny will work hard, but they won't carry an extra one. They have Farrell Brown, who, if you guys recall, was was the fullback ipso facto last year when they used a fullback and he is still on the roster. So yeah, like, like, like Barry said, it, it will be one fullback, um, uh, you, you know, even if it trims down to 75 from the 90 to 75, they won't carry two fullbacks even in the preseason. It'll be, um, you know, it'll be, it'll be Janovich's and, and his alone throughout the, throughout the course of anything that's important in 2020. Yeah. I, you know, we're in uh, desperate agreement there. This next question comes from Brownstown Andy on Twitter. And I'm interested to hear your take on this, Jake. Uh, he asks, who is one day three player that you want the Browns to draft? Now, I have to go into this. I'm not going to pretend to be a draft guru. You know, we got a lot of people who pretend to be draft gurus. I'm not one of them. Uh, I have uh, the ability to uh, watch uh, college football during the season, and I watch a lot of Big Ten football. So I'm going to be a little Big Ten biased whenever it comes to these questions. One guy I really like, I don't know if he falls to round four, but would be Ohio State uh, defensive lineman uh, Devon Hamilton. Um, if he does make it to round four, I think he's a slam dunk. You know, he was on the same line as Chase Young, which might have made his job a little bit easier, but he would now be on the same line as Miles Garrett. And he made a ton of plays last year for the Buckeyes with a relatively tough schedule. You know, Dayton tight end Adam Troutman, uh, Another who might slip to round four, might not. Uh, he's got a huge jump from Dayton to the pros. Um, I also, you know, have seen a little bit of um, uh, the YouTube video of Reggie Robertson Robinson uh, of Tulsa, and he seems to be an interesting developmental prospect at quarterback. So there's three day three players, maybe. Uh, we'll see how the draft falls. So are we only looking at day three guys here necessarily or, or, um, mm -hmm. yeah, Just I mean, four rounds. sure, sure. You know, guys that interest me or, you know, you look at Ohio state guys who probably don't get enough credit. Damon Arnett is a guy who doesn't get enough credit. I thought, uh, first few years in, in Ohio state's program, he was not going to be an NFL player, but he really turned it on. Um, last year, I think it'll be, he, he'll be a fascinating player who I think will, will draw a lot of attention, um, but not until day three. So he is of interest to me. Um, certainly think he could be a fascinating prospect, especially when you need a nickel player that can uh, that can get things done. And then if I had to, to name another guy who I've, I've watched and just enjoyed that probably isn't going to get selected high is John Runyon, right? The, the, the son of the, the uh, mm. former fantastic offensive lineman from – um, out of Michigan here is he's he's an interior guy who is who sort of turned his career on late in his career at Michigan Michigan with Cesar Ruiz had a nice interior offensive line 
Um, and, you know, I, I don't know if he ends up getting drafted, but I do think he could be an NFL interior offensive lineman. So I'm really pulling for him. And then Tyree Cleveland, um, another another fun prospect. And I, listen, how often is it that, that the Cleveland Browns have two opportunities to select guys with the last name Cleveland, <laughs> right? I was talking to Jordan Zerm earlier on the Browns Film Breakdown podcast. We were doing the uniform stuff, and we said – he was, I asked him the question, Barry, I said, which, which, you know, which jersey and player would you pick? And I said, um, you know, how, how crazy is it that the Browns have a chance to, uh, to draft somebody with the last name Cleveland? And that would be like the safest jersey you could ever buy. So um, Ezra Cleveland, who will be a day one guy who we might talk about here in a minute, but then Tyree Cleveland, the receiver from Florida, is also there. So um, it'd be just be kind of ironical and cool to have guys with the last name Cleveland playing for the Cleveland Browns. You know, that, uh, that's a nice segue to our next question. It's, it's actually two questions. Uh, North Coast CLE from the Cooler uh, asked, why does Ezra Cleveland interest the Browns? And P.O. Puppy asked last week a question we didn't get to, why do so many people overlook Ezra Cleveland? So it's sort of two different viewpoints on the same question. And again, um, I've just seen YouTube clips of him. You know, I don't pretend to have followed him all year. And frankly, from watching him, I didn't get it. Um, you know, you compare him to a guy like Becton, who sort of throws people around like ragdolls. But uh, from what I understand, uh, Stefanski's offense doesn't really want big maulers like him, uh, but more athletic guys who can move. Uh, so smarter people than me are saying that Cleveland's a great system fit for the Browns. Um, I always worry sometimes that we overthink it or over rely on what we happen to be doing this year instead of uh, you know, selecting the best player. Um, you know, I wonder if Stefanski doesn't work out if we would regret not choosing Beckton. But that's just me being paranoid after 20 years of this nonsense. What do you think, Jake? Well, I mean, to, to answer the Ezra Cleveland questions, I, I, if, you, if you tuned in to Combine or you pay attention to those numbers, he's an exceptional athlete. I mean, he tested – he tested off the charts and has only overshadowed a really historic combine by Tristan Wirfs, who was just kind of another, another human during those, you know, be able to be as big as Wirfs wasn't jump as high and run as fast as he was kind of unforeseen. But if you look, Ezra Cleveland had almost as impressive a combine. Now I've watched a good amount of uh, Boise. I've watched three of their all 22 games and I've watched, um, you know, a good portion of, Boise, Wyoming for a couple of years. So I want to watch Logan Wilson, the linebacker. And I, I think Ezra's a fit in terms of what they want to do. A guy who can move laterally down the line, can do the rip run stuff. He does not. The problem for, for Ezra is, you know, as much as Cleveland's system will be dependent on play action and different things that help your offensive line sort of keep teams from pressing up field, there are times, no matter what, where you have to sit in and anchor and pass block. And his anchor is not very good. He is not – he is not good at strong at standing his ground and sort of holding a strong base against bull rush type players who are trying to get up field on him and just drive him back. And that will catch up with him at the NFL level unless he can sort of find a way to, to improve that core strength because it caught up to him a couple. There are a couple of clips I have of him against Wyoming where he just gets bull rushed. And you can't do that, especially when you got guys at the college level can either typically win with speed or win with power. And then you get the NFL and – you know, you're playing the left side, and more often than not, you're going to play guys that have both speed and power, and that's a problem. Right. Um, you know, I've, I've dealt, Barry, with the question lately about Becton. I, I, like, I like him. I get what people like. 
Uh, I will make a comparison for Becton. I think he is Greg Robinson as a prospect. Um, Mm. Humongous guy. And people think that's like a knock. I'm not trying to knock him. If you remember, people loved Greg Robinson coming out of college. I mean, he was the third pick in the draft. So they were high on him coming out of school. The problem is consistency with Becton. He is he is very, very interested in delivering a punch and making a highlight block and not necessarily finishing blocks, staying on his man as long as he needs to stay on his man and looking to keep his head up and peel for other defenders who are making their way. He's really, really interested in embarrassing people, which that's great. But at the same mm-hmm. time, that leads to a lack of staying consistently through a block. Guys beat him with speed inside out, and uh, his pass sets are not as consistent as you would like. Now, he did things in his own scheme. That's great. I think he's comfortable with that wide zone scheme stuff. But I just have concerns, big concerns with consistency down to down. And as you know, Barry, I'm not a big fan of, of highlight blocks. They're great. They're cool. But I want a guy who's just consistently – solid and pass pro is going to anchor a, 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 a side of the pocket consistently enough more often than not he's going to be able to shield his man from getting to the ball carrier because that's all you need with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt is a split second of quality blocking to get gone you know you don't want a guy looking to bury somebody all the time and that gets them off balance so look I think Becton's fine I think if you take Becton you're, you're saying we think he's Greg Robinson that actually is going to pan out um and that that that's that's a bet you're going to make and I think that's why people say he has the highest air quote ceiling but um, I'm in the favor of guys who are a little bit more consistent technique and uh, approach down to down that's why I prefer the likes of Andrew Thomas and Tristan Wirfs uh, personally right now. So in the uh, Ezra Cleveland or Becton uh, contest we're saying Andrew Thomas at this point, I, I can buy that. <laughs> I, I'm actually saying whoever Bill Callahan wants, you know, that's that's who I want. Well, um, that's the wild card too, Barry, is that like those guys don't, you know, I'm not sure who Greg Robinson's initial offensive line coaches were coming into the league, but Callahan is held as, as one of the best. So if, you, if you're, you know, they look at film and they think Jedrick Wills is the guy who can do that move, can go from right to left and be the guy in the system – it's hard to tell Callahan no, right? I mean, if he knows mm-hmm. – he's do, he's been doing this thing long enough that he knows the guys he can work with. So you really, really trust his opinion from watching tape and getting these Zoom interviews with guys. So I'm going to – I'm going to have guys I want, but if they take Becton or they take Wills or they take Cleveland, I just want to hear about a solid plan and why they think he's going to work. I'm open to it. There you go. Hey, next question. Um, well, it's not really a question. This comes from Enterprise – on the uh, cooler, and he says he thought with the hashtag "Hey Dumbass" that uh, one of the beat writers for the Browns would be answering the question, uh, which is not nice. You know, I, I, I'm not going to say which beat writer he referred to, but uh, it was one of the prominent beat writers. And Dog Four L Three Three O Nine asked, "Do we have to use the Hey Dumbass" tag when answer, asking a question?" Now, I, I just want to clear this up. Uh, hey, dumbass uh, is not meant to disparage anyone. Really? You know, I just see a bunch of people using the hey, whatever hashtag. And I figured that mine would be hey, dumbass, because I thought it was funny. You know, we did it once online last year on Twitter, and I had fun with it because I could beg off questions as being just opinions of a dumbass, which is uh, largely true, I'm afraid. So, you know, that's that's the reason behind the hashtag. We're not making fun of anyone or anything like that. We just think it's funny. Um, Next question comes from with the number one pick. 
He says, we need some statues at the stadium to sum up the Browns since the return. Mine is the whole 2014 first round draft in stone. And then add in all the trades at the bottom. And, and he's right. I mean, if you want to pick something that epitomizes the Browns since the return, their draft record at least, uh, the, the picks of Manziel and Gilbert are going to sting forever. I mean, that was horrible. Uh, the Browns sort of redeemed themselves by picking Betonio and Kirksey in the second and third rounds. But to me, I'm going to rewind all the way back to 2001, which is uh, a long time ago for a lot of our listeners. Um, and I'd say the guy who summarizes the Browns' bad draft picks was 2001 fifth-round pick Jeremiah Farms out of Washington. Now, he was a big edge guy who played linebacker and defensive end, and the Browns selected him after not even doing basic research during a time when Butch Davis was yammering on about players of good character on the team. Turns out he was a prime suspect in an armed robbery case and was arrested before the rookie camp. Not only was he a busted pick, he made the team look like complete and utter idiots, if not dirtbags, for picking this guy. You know, and to me, that is the the ultimate busted draft pick of the Browns. And uh, I'm not saying I want to build a statue of him, but uh, he does, for me, represent everything that was horrible about some of those early drafts. Um, that's the, Barry, that's up there with the uh, the year that the Browns called Cameron Jordan and told them that they had selected him when they actually selected Jordan Cameron. <laughs> Which, you know, I get the mistake kind of, but it's like it's also the draft and your job is to know one's a defensive end and one's a tight end. It's just like that's just the ultimate modern tie. I mean, it's just it's so funny. That that example you have there is fantastic. God, that's great. You know, if, if you're losing and you're losing consistently, you know, mistakes like that just aren't forgiven right? They sort of blow up in your face and just make everything worse. And that was certainly the case with Farms, and that was certainly the case with Gilbert and Manziel, uh, who uh, uh, obviously were abysmal failures. Uh, Next question comes from Den with three N's on the cooler. He asked me a simple question, bourbon on the rocks. And uh, I have to say damn straight, bourbon on the rocks is a life-changing treat to savor. My favorite right now is Woodford Reserve. Uh, It's one of my favorites for drinking on the rocks. You start off drinking straight bourbon, and if you're savoring it like you should, you wind up drinking bourbon and water. Like I said, it's bliss. It's life-changing. So that's my bourbon recommendation of the day. I had to get that in, of course. Of course. Of course. Um, Let's see. I don't think we have a lot more time I'll just ask one last question. This comes from Magna on the forums. He says, what are the chances of a Trent Williams trade during the draft? And uh, when I am concerned about this sort of thing, I listen to what Lane Atkins says. And uh, I'm very fortunate in being able to work with Lane and uh, get the scoop, uh, you know, from him. And based on what he's been saying in in Rumor Central, I would not uh, have a lot of hopes for that. you know, if you're not a subscriber, you're going to want to become one and check it out. Um, 24-7 is running a deal right now. You can get a real good deal on a subscription. We're going to run another deal during the draft. So uh, take advantage of that when it gets here. But, um, you know, I think if there's a run on the offensive tackles, you know, Wirfs and Thomas and uh, some of the other guys are gone, 
and the Browns suddenly call up the Redskins, Redskins are going to think they have us over a barrel. And it's going to be tough, tougher or more expensive to pry Williams away. And if you're going to pay Williams a ton, you don't want to be in a situation where the Redskins think you think they have you over the barrel. So it's all about negotiating strategy and, and all that. I would think if you're going to trade for Williams, it's either well before or well after the draft. But that's just me. Maybe things fall together on draft day. You never know. You have yeah, any no, thoughts I, on that, Jake? No, I think you're right. I think that is on hold for the foreseeable future. I think the, the, the Browns tried to cross that bridge at one point, and the Redskins were unwilling to uh, meet them. And at that point, they just decided we're going to attack other positions, and we are going to play our cards in the draft. And uh, I think that is set in stone for now, unless something goes crazy in the draft. Maybe Okuda falls. Maybe Simmons is in their lap, and none of the tackles they like are there. They might pull that trigger and then address left tackle later and then maybe consider bringing in um, Trent Williams. But I would put that at far less than about 15% right now. But I wanted to answer one more question, Barry, that I found kind of fascinating, which is details on the virtual OTAs before we go here. Um, Somebody had said, Evil Elf had said, are those just online classrooms or are there players putting on uh, virtual reality headsets, getting on the field, reps of practice? I think all of that will be in play. The NFL has been very forward thinking about doing whatever it can to get players and get teams ready to go for a regular schedule. And uh, I do think all of that will be in play. The Browns would have already had some OTAs. They would have already uh, sort of been planning on, on bringing their rookies in right after the draft. They won't have that opportunity. I do think uh, virtual reality will be a thing that they try to incorporate. You know, keep your eye out for reports of that. I'm sure that they will um, be trying all they can. But you're probably going to get most likely uh, a plethora of playbook playbooks that reach these rookies. You're going to get a ton of cut-up clips uh, that, that the offense will have. You know, if they're teaching wide zone, a certain 18 or 19 wide zone sift play, for example, they'll give 15 examples of that play that Minnesota ran. And this is why we do it the way we do it. Here's the way it looks when it works. They're going to have so many broken down teaching points for these guys. I would imagine Stefanski and the staff and, and Joe Wood staff have already been putting together so much informative um, and, and forward thinking data and, and, and ways to go about teaching these guys the scheme. And Ultimately, you never know. It could, it could end up being more beneficial because it is things that guys have access to 24-7. They can mm-hmm. study it and learn it, and you'll find out who's really driven to study and learn this stuff. And, um, you know, I've been saying this all along. You never know. The Browns could end up, or even the rest of the NFL could end up drafting better because of the process that's in place here and the lack of in-person meetings and trusting the tape that is there more than um, being able to get a guy and, and talk to him in a room for a while. Um, how this all shakes out is going to be super interesting, how well the players come in ready to go when, when the green light is given to get in person and do some of these things. So that's a, that's a fantastic question about what virtual reality sort of things they could put together. And I, I would pay attention because I think some of that stuff maybe in the Building the Browns episodes will start to come out. So that's a, that's a good question. That would be cool. You know, all I can think of is some poor underpaid Cincinnati Bengals IT guy trying to remotely debug virtual reality headsets, you know? I think <laughs> oh, absolutely. It, it, it has the makings of total disaster. It does. <laughs> you know? it does. But, uh, but it, it, it's a cool concept. I really do like the concept. It's uh, uh, the IT guys are really sort of the unsung heroes of the draft and, and probably the OTAs and, and other virtual camps as well. Yeah, and they'll continue to be too. I mean, it's going to be – challenging getting all this stuff to all these guys so spread out around the country and 
and getting to meet Absolutely. them and have all, all of that information. So that is something that we at the OBR will be doing as much digging as we can and doing our own little spin on things at some point after the draft. But we're going to milk this draft for all the content we can, and, and uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure every, every other media outlet will be doing the same. So we'll get as much as we can to you as possible here. Barry, this was always fun. We have more questions. Maybe we'll, we'll next week just try to get all the ones answered we have not answered yet. But I always have a blast doing these. I appreciate you coming on. All right, man. Talk to you next week. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Big shout out to Barry McBride for putting the chat room questions together. Does fantastic work with that. If you have questions you want answered, fire them away to Barry. We will do spontaneous Twitter Q&As with some of our folks here at the OBR. We'll have Film Room Friday with John Stephenson tomorrow. Uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in. Thanks again to our sponsors, betonline.ag. We appreciate everything. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in. And as usual, go Browns. Go Browns.